Welcome to the Truth Wars Podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. Olin has recently published a new book titled Bible Crawling, Finding Joy in God by Journaling Through the Psalms. You can find Olin's book on whipandstock.com. That's W-I-P-F and stock.com, as well as amazon.com. Now, here's Olin. How many people stayed up all last night didn't get one wink of sleep? Let's see a show of hands. Anybody honest enough to admit that? All right. I'm going to be watching you all. Make sure you don't fall asleep, all right? Uh, if you've got a Bible, let's open up to Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs, probably if you just open your Bible straight to the middle, you'll be really close. If you wind up in Psalms, turn one book to the right, you'll be in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 17. And the theme of this conference is seek. And last night we looked at the idea of God seeking after us, even in our sin and rebellion, He comes after us. And this morning, the idea is supposed to be about seeking God. Now, the most basic, obvious, important, 101 way to seek God is through reading the Bible, praying, talking to God, going to worship services at your church, and hearing the Word of God taught you. Now my guess is all of you have heard that before. It's important. Probably some of you do it, mainly because your parents make you do it. Uh, But what we're going to talk about this morning is going to be a little bit different angle. It's a secondary thing, but it's very important in seeking God. And it's crucial really for your whole life, but especially in the season of life that you're in right now. And here's the idea for this morning. Seek God by seeking godly friends. Now, we all know that friends are important, but I don't know that we know how important Friends really are. Look at this verse, Proverbs chapter 17, and let's start in verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So you see what he's saying here? If you want to seek love, one of the things that you do when your friend, maybe you see your friend doing something stupid or maybe even sinful, and you're like, I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to rat you out, right? And that's just, that's kind of like bro code, or it's just like friend code, you know. It's like, hey, if you see me make a stupid mistake, I embarrass myself, I trip and fall over my shoelaces, and you saw it but nobody else did, please cover me. Cover for it. Don't tell everybody. Surely don't take a video or something and then like, you know, post it on Instagram. Cover for me. We, we all know we want friends like that. Good friends are important. But sometimes, especially in high school, I think the average high schooler, if we could get down do like an x-ray vision of your heart, and I'm thinking about when I was a high schooler, what do I really care most about is like, I want friends and I want fun. I want fun friends. I want to have fun with my friends. And the danger, that's not bad. It's not wrong. It's wrong if you want that most. But it's a good thing as a secondary thing. But here's the danger. If you get so desperate for friends that you'll settle for anybody, it's like, I'll just take all comers. You can ruin your life. And so we want to talk this morning about the wrong kind of friends. Who are the wrong kind of friends that you don't want to be around? And we're going to get it from this book of wisdom, Proverbs. So just skip a few verses down to verse 17. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So the first kind of friend that you want to avoid is the fickle friend. It's the fair-weather friend. Imagine there was a guy or a girl that grew up in Georgia, and they moved over to Alabama. Maybe they were eight or nine years old, but that was back when Alabama was winning like every championship without even trying. And so they never told anybody, I'm actually a Georgia fan, I grew up in Georgia, because they were kind of embarrassed. But the last two years, Georgia wins back-to-back championship, and now all they're doing is wearing, you know, Georgia red, bulldog, fan wear. You might say, you're a fair-weather friend. 
You never cheered for them when they're getting their brains beat out. But now they win a couple of years. You just like the Georgia Bulldogs when things are going well. A fair weather fan. We can have friends like that. You can have friends that when maybe you're cool and you're in the in crowd and then they feel like you can do something for them, they want to hang out with you. But then, maybe once they get some new friends or better friends, they drop you like a hot rock. You ever felt used by people? Those are not the kind of friends that you want. The guy I quoted last night, Tim Keller, he has a great definition of friendship. He says, a friend always lets you in and never lets you down. That's a really good basic definition of a true friend. Always lets you in. They'll open up and talk about what's going on in their life. And they never let you down. They're there for you. They show up. They're not a fair weather, fickle friend. Now, but there's a problem when we start talking about that. Because I think sometimes... Our modern culture likes to think this way. Yeah, I want a friend that will stick with me through the highs and the lows. No matter what's happening, no matter what I'm doing, they'll cover for my offenses. And that can kind of turn into this. It's like, well, that means I don't want friends that try to change me. You ever heard that kind of thing? Maybe, I mean, a lot of us have probably said it to our parents at some point. Our parents are getting on to us about something. You're just trying to change me. Why can't you love me for the way I am? Well... Most of the time, parents do love you. They love you in spite of the way you are. Right? But are you perfect? Are you Jesus? I'm not. I need to be changed. So, we don't want fickle, fair-weather friends, but neither do we want fake friends. So, flip forward, Proverbs chapter 27. We don't want fake friends. I mean, just imagine. Do you want to... Homecoming comes around, you and your mom go shopping, you buy the nice new dress... You try it on, you take a picture of yourself, you send it to one of your friends, and then, how do I look? And they're like, oh, you look so cute, it's adorable, blah, blah, blah. And then, they're like sending a text to another friend to say, she just sent me this dress, and it looks hideous. And then you find out about it. How does that make you feel? Is that the kind of friend you want? That will say nice things to your face, but they don't really mean it? And the hard stuff, they really think about you, they say behind your back? Is that the kind of friends you want? I don't think so. But a lot of us settle for friends like that. Look at Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Just ask yourself, would you rather have a friend that wounds you or an enemy that kisses you? And some of you are like, uh, I mean, I, I like getting kissed better than getting hurt. I don't want anybody to hurt me. But you have to understand, there's two different kinds of wounds. I've got a big scar, you could call it a wound, on my left pinky finger here. And if somebody said, how'd you get that wound on your pinky finger? And I said, man, somebody broke into my house one time. They had a knife and I was trying to fight them and they stabbed me. It's like, that's a bad wound, right? Nobody wants to get stabbed in the pinky finger. It's also a lie. That's not really what happened. What really happened is, when I was in high school playing football, I broke my finger. I thought it was just jammed. I was trying to fight to get a starting position. So I just tape it up, coach. And for like six weeks, tape it up and kept playing until it just turned into this mangled mess. And I had to go get surgery. And they knocked me out and the surgeon cut. He wounded me. But why was he wounding me? He was wounding me to heal me. He was wounding me to fix me. He was wounding me in the short run to help me in the long run. Does that make sense? Listen, those are good wounds. When somebody is willing to do surgery on your heart and your soul, those are the kind of friends you want to invite into your life. A great commentator, he said this, love and correction go hand in hand. They ought to. If you really love somebody, you're willing to say the hard truth to them, 
to help them, not to hurt them. Now listen, I'm not talking about, you know, somebody comes in and they're wearing a pair of shorts that you think look stupid and you just like mock them. Your shorts look like a moron. I'm just wounding you like a friend. I mean, that, that's mocking somebody. I've got three younger sisters. I remember growing up, one of my sisters, I won't share her name, but she was never very effective at brushing her teeth, right? She just wanted to do it as fast as possible and get it over with. And she just had hideous morning breath. And I can remember, this is when she was young, like elementary school. And my dad would like, she'd come in the kitchen, I'm ready to go to school. And he's like, let me smell your breath. And he's like, uh-uh, go back in there again. Brush, mouthwash, brush your tongue. It's terrible. Now you can think, man, that's a mean daddy. I don't think so. Would it be better for her to go to school with all her friends and just have like dragon's breath and be knocking people out? And they'd be like, what's wrong with her? Her breath always stinks. A good friend says, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm trying to help you. Let me pull you aside. I don't know if you got halitosis or you just drank too much coffee or something, but you need some mints. You're hurting people. That's a good friend who's willing to tell you the hard truth. Now, that's kind of a funny example. Let me tell two more serious examples. My freshman year of high school was the most sinful year of my life. I was living the double life and I was doing a great job of it. I came to all the youth retreats. I could probably quote more verses than anybody else in the youth group. I was really smart. I knew the Bible backwards and forwards. But every Friday and Saturday night that I could, I would sneak out of my house. I'd go get drunk, girls, pornography, the whole party lifestyle. But there was one girl at my high school. She was a senior. She was attractive. That's probably why I liked her. Okay, It's like I'm this little freshman guy and she's nice to me. And But she was very serious about her faith. And, and she was kind to me, but she would also say things. And she said it in a very nice, gentle way. She's basically like, you're a fraud. You're a fake. You're a hypocrite. And she, she was still my friend. She was nice, but she was just calling me out saying, the way I, she's like, because she would go to parties too, but she was more, she could keep it together. She's like, I see the way you live on Friday nights, and then I see the way you act on Sunday mornings. You're a fake. And that was one of the things that God used to draw me out of my sin. You need friends like that. I had another friend, uh, two guys actually. I'm friends with both the brothers. They grew up in a Christian home, but they both weren't Christians, right? Same kind of thing. They knew all the answers, but they're both kind of partying their brains out. The older brother goes to college, and in college he becomes a Christian. And he comes home and he's trying to share the gospel with his younger brother. And his younger brother's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe all that. Quit talking about it. He's like, well, you're dating a non-Christian. You know, and it's like, and I, you know, we've talked about that. I know you're not having sex, but you're doing everything else. It's sinful. You need to repent. And he kept saying, I don't think you're a real Christian because you're living in so much sin. And the younger brother finally got to a point. They'd been best friends growing up. He said, hey, man, I'm sick of talking about this. I love this girl. I'm going to marry this girl. It's either, you know, if you can't accept her, you can't accept me. If you don't stop talking to me about the sin I'm in with this girl, we're not going to be friends anymore. And the older brother was like, I love you, but I really think you're not a Christian and you're living a lie, you're going to go to hell. I, I can't back off. And so for years it got to be where the younger brother wouldn't even speak to the older brother. Like come home for Thanksgiving, he totally ignored Cold as ice. Younger brother goes to college. He becomes a Christian too. And I remember he went to his older brother and he's like, thank you so much that you kept pursuing me. You kept seeking after me, even when I stiff-armed you, even like I shut you down relationally. And he's like, how were you able to do that? It must have been hard. Now, here's the quote I want you to remember. I love it. The older brother said to the younger brother, he said, 
I loved you enough to lose you. I loved you enough for eternity. I was willing to lose our friendship in the short term to gain you as a spiritual brother for all eternity. Does that make sense? That's what a true friend does. They're willing to give constructive criticism. Now, if they're going to do this well, third point, they can't be a faraway friend. You don't need a fickle friend. You don't need a fair weather friend. You don't need a fake friend. You don't need a faraway friend. Just look down a few verses. Proverbs 27, verse 10. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. I know the kind of friendships that I'm talking about in high school are very rare. And some of you are probably like, yeah, I went to this summer camp and I met this other girl and she seemed really godly and we could talk about things of faith, but she lives in another state. That's good, but it's not good enough, honestly. I've got a brother, a real brother, three sisters, a brother. He lives in Atlanta. He's a great brother. I love him. If I was ever in real trouble and I called him, I know he would do basically anything he could to help me. There's only one problem. It's at least a three-hour drive. I've got a great friend that lives ten minutes from my house. Who am I going to call first? It's not enough. Yeah, I used to have this great friend that lived here, but they moved to Oklahoma and we still talk some. That's good. I hope you keep it up. But you need friends that are close and in your business. You need friends that are close. And God, look around. I know there are probably few and far between. But if somebody else seems serious about their faith and they seem to be the kind of friend that would give you loving feedback and constructive criticism, it's worth pursuing because one of the most practical things you can do to get closer to God, to seek God, is get closer to His people. The, the Christian life is not a Lone Ranger adventure. You cannot do it on your own. It is impossible. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ when He was on earth, when He was in His worst moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to die. He was begging His best friends, Peter, James, and John, please stay awake and pray with me, guys. If Jesus, who's perfect, needed friends to stay awake, in a sense to keep Him in communion with the Father, how much more do you and I need friends like that? Listen, deep down, we all know this is true, although we try to deny it sometimes. I don't know who first said this quote, but you've probably heard it before. Show me your five best friends, and I'll show you your future. The way my football coach used to say it in South Georgia, you lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. You've got to be serious about who you are spending your time with. Again, I've given you little snippets of my testimony. The summer between my freshman and my sophomore year of high school, I go off to this little uh, youth camp retreat, mountains of North Carolina, something like that. And, you know, I said, I'm done. I'm leaving the whole party lifestyle. But see, I can tell you this last night. I had done that before. We'd had a winter ski trip where I'd done the same thing. I got up and said, I'm done. Here's all my sin, but I'm quitting. I'm confessing and... Two weeks later, I was passed out somewhere with a bottle of Jack Daniels on my chest. Didn't last. Practically speaking, you know what made the difference? That summer, when I basically did the same thing, I shifted my friend group. When I tried to do it after the ski trip, I'm like, I'm going to still hang out with all the guys that I play football with because they're my boys. I don't leave my friends. 
I'll just be like the, the one Christian guy at the party that just shows up and doesn't drink anything. He's just there. Holy for Jesus, right? Just a witness in the corner, just not doing anything. It didn't work out very well. It usually doesn't. Not until you're a lot more mature and established. What I did that summer, because I had one other buddy that's like, I'm quitting everything too. And so I said, we got to shift our friend group. So all the guys I played football with, listen, it's not like I was a jerk to them. I still hang out with them at school where it was safe, right? I played football with them. We eat lunch together in the cafeteria. On a Friday night, if they're like, hey, we're going to go out and just eat dinner, watch a movie, I'm there. When it's like, we're going to the cake party, it's like, I'm not there. And I knew it was going to happen. It was painful. But eventually, it's like we weren't friends anymore. And I was doing more with the youth group at my church, and more and more, that's where my real friends became. Listen, if you are here this weekend and you're considering making a real change in your life about some of the sinful stuff going on in your life, I'm just trying to help you. You're like, I really want to come out of this and be different and start seeking God and not seeking the sinful things of the world. If you don't change your friend group, you're almost doomed to failure. You're not that strong. You're not that mature. You don't have it together. If Jesus needed friends, so do you. You want to be serious about seeking God, you've got to seek after godly friends. Now, the best way to get these kind of friends is to be this kind of friend. Be this kind of friend to others. Don't nitpick them for every little thing they do wrong. Don't mock them for every little thing in their life that's stupid and make fun of them and post it on you know, Instabook or whatever. Stick with them. Even in the hard times, not just in the good times. Stick with them. Speak the truth and love to them. Say the hard things they need to hear, but do it in a gentle way, in a loving way, in a kind way. I'm a trying to help you way. And then, guys, this is key. This, this, listen, this might be the most key point for some of y'all for the whole weekend. Be the kind of person that invites in constructive criticism. Listen, don't do this with everybody. I just met this gal last night because we stayed up last night, you know, just drinking coffee, trying to stay awake all night. So I said, dude, tell me anything you want to. That's probably not a good idea. But with your best friends, with the people that you trust, it is a good idea to say, hey, I'm giving you blank slate. Anytime you want to, give me feedback about my life. Invite it. And listen, when they give it to you, even if you don't agree with it, you're like, well, that's a little hard, man. I don't know if I agree with that. In a sense, don't take it personal. Say, but I thank you for trying. I may not agree with you, but thank you for trying. Now, if you don't do this, and listen, I have examples of this in so many different realms. Adults, college students, high schoolers. If you're not the kind of person that invites feedback, and you're not perfect, right? That's everybody in the room. There's something in your life you're doing wrong because you're not perfect. And other people are going to notice it. But if they don't think you're the kind of person that wants constructive criticism, what are they going to do with the constructive criticism they have in their mind about you? They're just going to stuff it. Best case scenario, they're going to stuff it. They're going to be like, he he don't want to hear it. He always blows up. He always has a bad attitude. I'm not going to say anything. But guess what? Do you think they will be able to stuff it forever? Not really, not if they're your friend, they hang out with you. So what will happen is at some point, they'll stuff it, they'll stuff it, you'll keep doing or saying the same stupid thing, and at some point they won't be able to take it anymore, and the volcano will explode. And they'll be like, and they'll just give you all the feedback. 
And it will not feel like the wounds of a friend. And then how do you think you'll respond to well, that volcano exploding in your face? Probably not well. You're probably, where did this come from? Why are you like yelling at me? And they'll think, see, it's exactly what I thought. He doesn't respond to feedback well. So they won't give it again next time. And you won't invite it again because you're like, man, that was the worst conversation of my whole life. That dude yelled at me. And it's just a vicious downward spiral and cycle. Do you see what I'm saying? you got to get ahead of the train. And guys, please learn this in high school because the longer you don't do it, the more you build patterns in your life where you'll never do it. And listen, the decisions you make when you're in high school, almost all of them, you can recover from them. None of you have ruined your life yet. You may have done some really bad, stupid, evil, wicked things. God is merciful. You can recover. There does reach a time in your life when if you harden your heart long enough, and partially the way you do that is you refuse to listen to constructive criticism from your friends, from anybody, it's too late. And you start setting patterns and doing things and making decisions you'll never recover from. I'm trying to save you from that. I got a friend and he, uh, he has a son who's deaf. Uh, but they got this cochlear implant. Y'all familiar with that? Modern technology is amazing. They're able to put some type of technology into his head, touches the nerve in his ear, so that he can hear. But at points, if this little deaf son got mad enough, maybe when his mom or dad were trying to correct him and give him constructive criticism, you know what he would do? He would just take the cochlear implant out and rip it out and throw it, walk away. And then it didn't matter what his parents said because he couldn't understand them. The most deaf person in the world is not the person who can't hear, it's the person who refuses to hear. That makes sense? My guess is most of us have pretty normal hearing. But if we have a hard, arrogant, selfish, fearful heart and we refuse to hear constructive criticism, that's worse. That's worse than being literally deaf. It's worse to be spiritually deaf than to be physically deaf. Invite these kind of people into your life. And listen, give it a try this weekend. Give it a try this weekend. The counselor, the college staff, the friend that you, that you trust and respect the most. Say, hey, if you were going to be brutally honest with me, is there any criticism you'd give me? Say it, say it gently. Say it nicely. It's a great old English Bible teacher named Matthew Henry that said, Christians need to know how to say the hardest truths in the softest ways. Get friends like that in your life. Be that kind of friend. And guys, the ultimate friend is the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it. He's such a friend that when He sees all of our sin, even the deep, dark, secret stuff in our heart that we're not even fully aware of, He says... I'm willing to die on the cross and shed my blood to cover them with my sin and my righteousness and not just nitpick them to death about it. He's not a fickle, fair-weather friend. He sticks with us through thin and thin all the way to the end. Good times, bad times. He is willing through His Word, through the Holy Spirit, through other people to speak to us. I mean, sometimes you read the Bible... I was at the gym this morning and a buddy of mine came up to me and said, man, I was reading this chapter in John today and I was convicted. 
But he was excited about it. It was good. I needed to be convicted. Because I had some sin in my life that God convicted me. Jesus is the kind of friend. He's willing to convict us. But it's in a gentle way. It's a loving way. It's the wounds of a friend. And he's not a far away friend. He's come close. He left his Father's throne above to come to earth to walk a mile in our shoes, so to speak. Walk 33 years in our shoes. And then to go to the cross to die for our sins so we can trust in Him. And literally, He comes and lives inside of us. How much closer could He be when we repent and trust in Him? And He said, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. A mansion where if you genuinely put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you die, you will be with Him for all eternity in His mansion. That's the kind of friend that we ought to seek after. That we ought to try to emulate and be like. And we ought to try to gather around us others who are doing the same thing because that's one of the most practical ways that we can know and experience Christ more. Let's pray. Father, make us into these kind of friends. Give us these kind of friends. Draw us closer to You. And God, I know that people like this are few and far between in all of life and certainly in high school. But just have mercy on us. Give us extra grace. Help us find these people. Bring them into our lives even when we're not looking. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We want to remind you to please leave a review for this podcast wherever you listen and to share this podcast with any friends or family that you think may be blessed by Olin's teaching.